I want to thank Ken for uh, leading us in worship today. Uh, part of our new worship music in the arts, uh, minor. Uh, Ken's bringing leadership, uh, some leadership in that, and we're glad to have him involved. Uh, I think this is a part of a course for some of them as well, so it was, it was, it's great uh, to, to have them. There's some good players in there, by the way. Did you notice that? It's good. Um, how many of you heard the carillon play that brings us to chapel? Got to tell you a story about that, just so you have a little bit of knowledge about this. Um, my father, for 50, 60 odd years, um, sold church bells. That was his job. Uh, he was a representative for Schumert Carillon. So handbells and carillons and all of those things. It was the hardest thing for me to explain when I was growing up. For one thing, the name of the company was Schumerick Carillon, so it was hard to spell. Uh, but beyond that, how many people have a father who sells bells? And he even had a license plate that, uh, that said Bellman uh, on it. Um, my brother and my mother uh, became expert handbell workshop leaders and traveled all over North America teaching people how to play handbells. Now, how many of you have ever played a handbell? Oh, some of you have. Okay, good. Well, I, on the other hand decided that I would rebel. Um, as the baby in the family, I just couldn't do it. And so uh, for years, I, I, I kind of thumbed my nose at it. Uh, but it was everything to my father. It was, it's, uh, my father died at Christmas last year. And uh, at 94, still trying to sell church bells. <laughs> and at 89... He was the salesman of the year for Schumert Carillon. Sold a big Carillon to Mount Royal University and also one to the legislative building. So a group of friends of our family and other Bell people, when we were moving over to the campus, there was an old Carillon. And so we raised money and this is the John and Carol Nelson Tyndale Carillon that you'll hear um, thought I should tell you that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's interesting. You know, we, we teased my father about this all his life. At his death, uh, we have heard, just for a year, we're getting, uh, he's getting these awards from things for all the work that he did in handbells, and the day of his funeral, uh, Mount Royal University put on a, a Carillon concert. Go figure. <laughs> no Led Zeppelin played on the Carillon. But I mean, it, it, it was just that kind of thing. And, and what it's taught me is that um, my dad was a very quiet man. Um, and uh, over those years, uh, he just kind of 
did his thing and nobody, and nobody knew. And, and you realize what, what kind of a witness that is. But that's not why we're here. We're here to talk about worship. I want to describe to you my church community. Uh, some of you will know that my doctoral work is in what, uh, an area called urban missiology. So it's the idea of the church in the city. And one of the things that I hold very strong is when I live in a city, where I live, I want to worship nearby. And so in my tribe, uh, the closest place to our condo, we live downtown, the closest place to our condo is a little kind of church that nobody goes to. Uh, all, in our neighborhood, all the beautiful people of our neighborhood, uh, all the beautiful Christians, drive somewhere else. And so what you have, like they, do, they go out to the, the really fun places, churches, and, and so what you have left in our little tribal church is kind of the mongrels that, that are left. Um, a motley crew of people who uh, one day our pastor asked the question, there's only about maybe 80 people in the church. And one of our pastor asked, how many of you were going to church before you came here? And, and uh, of the 80 people, probably 60% of them put up their hand. See, they don't even know they're supposed to go someplace else. They, they just came to this church. The worship is mediocre. Oh gosh, they would die for the band today, like for one player. Um, uh, the preaching's okay, um, and it's, it's full of these kinds of people who, who are just trying to be faithful in the things that they're in. And one of the things that I learned in this, I mean, there's a guy, Alcoholics Anonymous guy that worships there, sings in the choir. Melissa, even you couldn't do anything with this choir. <laughs> but this guy sings with a smile on his face, out of tune. Uh, there's a bank teller. There's a person from Revenue Canada, brand new Christian, a number of them from mainland China that are now members of, of, of our church. There's a bouncer. Um, and if you saw him, you'd understand why he's a bouncer. <laughs> like he's, he's big. And he's leading the youth group. You will not fool around in that youth group. Um, probably the best musician in the church plays the, the bass guitar she taught herself. Uh, and she has a master's degree in mechanical engineering. And you know how many women have master's degrees in mechanical engineering? They're not a lot. That's my church. And there's absolutely no reason for me to go there, except that it's five blocks from our condo. And I am committed to the discipline of community. If I wanted better worship, I'd come on Wednesdays here and I'd find a church that would fit what I would be looking for. If I wanted to be fed, which, you know, that's the, that's the word that gets used all the time, being fed, 
then I'd probably go down to where the best person that I think is a preacher, a real good preacher. But the fact is, I go here for the discipline of community because this is in my community. And when there's an event that happens in my community, I see my people, this weird, motley crew of people, I see them in the crowd. And I see my pastor in the crowd. We were at a 25th wedding anniversary uh, for, um, for uh, someone in our church. And it was, it was kind of like a meeting of all the different relationships this person has. She's a relatively new person of faith. And, and we were sitting there in the Legion Hall. And uh, it was kind of odd because she was trying to introduce all her streams of relationships, all the people she, you know, that don't normally meet each other. And out of the blue, our pastor, Jim, who's a graduate from here, interestingly enough, Pastor Jim comes in to the Legion Hall. The one common denominator in the Legion Hall, beyond the 25th wedding anniversary couple, was our pastor. The whole Legion Hall lit up. And they all said, oh, Jim's here. Jim's here. I go to this church not because it's the best. I go here because it's the discipline of community. Why do you come to chapel? Why does Tyndale have a chapel? By the way, doesn't James look good today? <laughs> I mean, we didn't even, we're almost identical. <clears throat> I, I liked what Jim said. Um, I think it's possible to be in a bubble whether you're in a Christian university or seminary or whether you're even in a secular university. Uh, Christians find a way to be in a bubble all the time. Uh, we do that on a regular basis. Part of the discipline of community is you come to this place at this particular time uh, as an act of discipline because you're saying something about what you believe about God. Uh, I, I listed a whole bunch of things here. Grades are important. How you learn to think is critical. But it's not the only thing. And worship tells us that. Attending class is important. Repeat after me. Attending class is important. Now say it like you mean it. But it's not the only thing. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Oh gosh, this first year group is going to really drive us nuts. Uh, but it's not the only thing. For our staff, being professional, working intentionally, working with the kind of character that you do is important, but it's not the only thing. Commitment to investing in your spiritual growth and the maturation, you're, you're maturing in your faith. 
Worship is a call and an invitation for a university and a seminary into a deeper experience of why they're here in the first place. All of the other things are critical to making this place what it is. But our worship together brings us together for a moment, all of us, with all of the ages, with all of the diversity, with all of the denominational tribes. I mean, this has got to be one of the most mixed tribal groups that get together at one time in this week, anywhere. 60 different denominations. The same number of people groups, different languages, different traditions, some urban, some rural. Rural, imagine. Now living in the middle of the city. We're doing something every Wednesday and on Sundays, wherever you worship. We're doing something that even the UN can't do. Like, have you ever thought that worship is an act, almost an, a revolutionary act? It's just for a moment because of the Christ of the cross and the resurrection. I always have to say that now, the cross and the resurrection. I have a friend who wrote a book called The Cross is Not Enough because he wants us to talk about the resurrection. Have you ever thought that because of the resurrection, we are a people? This event says something about what could happen. It's a taste of what could happen if all of us actually sold ourselves out to Christ. Uh, in some ways, if I was teaching on worship, I might say some, some things differently. But let me just say this. In some ways, what, this, what we do on Wednesdays is the great perspective it's, it's the one time where we come together and we say, you're, you're, you're fighting with your roommate? It's not that important. This is what's important. Uh, struggling in your workplace. Uh, struggling with, with some of the classes that you're involved in. Uh, struggling with relations. Something's going on at home. And you're not home. You're here now. This is this time that we come together, and this is why we do this as chapel here at Tyndale, is a time of perspective, it's a time of action, and it's a time when we come together in a different way. It's a time where we pause in the busyness of our lives. Because we believe that there is a time where there's almost a rhythm in which we need to rest and to center and to practice gathering in the midst of all of the frantic schedules and all of those things. And I know the temptation for you who have your phones out right now. I know what it is like to have the temptation of feeling it vibrate in your pocket in the middle of worship and wanting to know who it is. But for one time, for just an hour, we say this is the censuring thing that we're about. You will be tempted in the midst of the frantic rushing, 
to not come. It'd be your loss. Because it's also a time that you will, be, you, will, you will be exposed to people that are visiting Toronto or are coming to the campus or are within the campus itself, within the Tyndale community. You will be exposed to thinking and being stretched and, and being pushed. And in those days that you're tempted not to come, and I get that all the time because I'm on the phone and I, I know I, could, I need to finish this conversation, but I have to make this a commitment. I believe that worship sets the tone for everything else. Um, and that's why we do what we do. There's this wonderful passage. It's, it's about the early Christians. And you've probably heard numerous sermons on this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. We always skim over that piece there. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in the homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Every day they continued to meet together in their homes. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Mary Gioletti says that a sign, the sign of spiritual maturity is a sign of, of the ability to have gratitude. And I think gratitude emerges out of perspective. Uh, when I think the world revolves around me or the bubble or whatever it is, when I begin to think that the world revolves around me, worship is about getting it right, about seeing, about seeing the perspective from God's eyes, about connecting against, again to the reason that we're here. It's a great privilege to be able to study in a place that not only holds kind of scholarship high, but at the same time believes, as I said last week, that character and faith are part of your development. But it makes it harder for us. But this is one of the key places in which that takes place. So why chapel? Why not? I mean, why not come once a week and just for a moment get some perspective? Be a part of a revolutionary act and grow in gratitude and wonder. Don't you love the fact that they, 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 they grew in, in a sense of awe and mystery?
just when you think you got the argument and philosophy all figured out, all of a sudden worship introduces mystery. And you realize that there's more than just that. Are we singing again? No. I just had to check. So, that's why we do what we do. So see you next week. The God who has met you here doesn't leave. Well, he's gone out before you. So go with the knowledge that the God who has been with you here is already where you're going and calling you to join them, join him in that place. Go with God. Amen.